Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to episode 12 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Tardy. And on today's episode, we're giving fat boy George Lucas a big old middle finger while we cover the only movie capable of taking down the juggernaut that is Star Wars, the 1978 laser beam bonanza. Star Crash. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to the only person capable of providing a compelling argument that Matthew McConaughey's film Fool's Gold might not actually be the worst film ever created. My beautiful baby boy co-host, Patrick Schweiger. Look, when when there's treasure, the ocean, what can go wrong? Cayman. I also I want to use this opportunity to to share with you uh, and our audience, mostly you. I've learned just now that pretzels mixed with yeah. gin, not a good combo. Not a good combo. Mm. Leaving a weird mm. taste in my mouth. You know, they like put them out at bars all the time. Maybe you should move to peanuts next time. That's a, that's a I, bar I think so. thing. So I think maybe so. there. And for our very special guest on today's show, if you're from Atlanta, Georgia, and like improv, you've probably seen him perform at Dad's Garage. He's got a little dainty hand suited perfectly for painting miniature figurines, and he's solely responsible for this episode and all of our suffering. On today's episode, the one, the only, the Civil War general-looking fella, Taylor Roy. Hello. <laughs> How's Taylor? it going, guys? Thank you for I, being uh... on the show. Absolutely, I'm excited to be here. I uh, I'm, I apologize for inflicting this movie on y'all. Um, Honestly, no no apology needed from me. <laughs> I loved it. Oh it man, is... I'm sorry. I'm like spoiling the big reveal at the end. Oh yeah, I? I'm not allowed to say that. I have to keep my thoughts to the end of the episode. And speaking of end of the episode, why don't we do a little quick housekeeping? We'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget, you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at savetrashcinema or on Instagram at savetrashcinema as well. Make sure to check out last week's mini-sode when we opened up uh, the karate chopping and the vampires and the zombies as we uh, dissected the 2013 Kung Fu horror film, Rigor Mortis. We'll be continuing to release minisodes, crossover episodes, and interviews. Wink, wink, teaser, teaser every other week. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. Also, we have a Discord server now and are dishing out some behind-the-scenes looks at how STC has put together exclusive content, family movie night, uh, uh, as well as just a really cool community of Trash Crusaders. So come on over and join us on Discord. Now, with enough dilly-dallying around, why don't we do a little overview of Star Crash. Star Crash. Star Crash. Star Crash is a 1978 sci-fi adventure film written and directed by Luigi Gotzi, as well as produced by the trash master himself, Roger Corman. Now, Luigi Cozzi is best known for directing the Traster pieces, Hercules, and the Adventures of Hercules, helmed by none other than the Incredible Hulk himself, Lou Ferrigno. However, I'm more partial to his 1980s alien clone, Contamination. 
As for producer Roger Corman, which all of you should know by this point, is best known for producing over 500 films, including, but not limited to, The Little Shop of Horrors, Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet, Death Race 2000, and my personal favorite, Shogun Assassin. If I may, this, Cayman. Yes, you may. What What should I know him from? Well, like, what of, of the things we've done, what has he done? Oh, I mean, he's just, like, if you like trash cinema... Oh, he's just Roger like... Corman. Gotcha, he's he just is, like a trash cinema god. Okay. There's a good chance he was just in the room... Like whatever, whatever terrible movie you enjoy, he was probably he showed up and did a few days of like, uh, move that over there. Got it. Oh, Raj. Oh, Raj. Oh, all five. I want to say at this point, and this is uh, I don't know if this is even including his unreleased produced films, uh, but he's got 517 producing credits. Oh, my um, God. it's insane. Now for Star Crash itself, the story goes as such. Outlaw smuggler Stella Starr and Acton managed to pick up a castaway while running from the authorities, who turns out to be the only survivor from a secret mission to destroy a mysterious superweapon designed by the evil Count Zarth Arn. The smugglers are soon recruited by the Emperor of the Galaxy to complete the mission, as well as to rescue the Emperor's son, who has gone missing. Believe me, that is the most simple way to explain a truly unexplainable movie. Now, the film itself yeah. stars veteran actors such as Marjo Gortner, uh, you might have seen from Mausoleum and Earthquake, Caroline Monroe from The Spy Who Loved Me and Maniac, legendary actor Christopher Plummer uh, from The Man Who Would Be King, as well as, more recently, Knives Out, and last but not least, David motherfucking Hasselhoff, which I feel... Like, I shouldn't explain what he's from, but since this isn't an educational podcast, I must do so. Mr. Hasselhoff is from films such as the Adam Sandler masterpiece Click, the 2010 film Dancing Ninja, and the bombastic Piranha 3 Double D. Cayman, I, I just, I didn't look at all the trivia, but I did a quick control F to search for the name Marjo to see if this trivia was covered in our show, and it's not. So I'm injecting some trivia myself here i was looking up this man last night mm-hmm. he was in it uh <laughs> he was ordained as a preacher at the age of four yes mm-hmm. that is insane mm-hmm. there's so much about this person that is mind-boggling he uh, is taylor a- would you like to fill patrick in and our audience in on a little more trivia about is there Marjo? is there a lot oh of really yeah marjo gortner uh, I don't know. I haven't encountered anything bad other than just he was a like evangelical big tent preacher uh, from the age of four. Uh, his name is a, com- a combination of the names Mary and Joseph. Stop. That's where Marjo comes from. Yes. Uh, and he is also I know he is the subject of a Oscar winning 1972 uh, documentary uh, that kind of belied the corruption and hypocrisy in the evangelical movement in the early 70s, which I'm sure has gotten much better since then. Um, is, uh, is Marjo the or, or the origination of Brangelina? I, yes, oh my God. except he was a couple with himself. <laughs> right, right. With him and with him and his God. Yeah. Guys, we yeah. all know that the, the evangelical Christian tent preachers do not masturbate. Masturbate. Oh, yeah, That's true. Clearly. They are you beyond know, reproach. Is he really <laughs> coupling himself? Because let's be honest, he's probably not like he went behind that tent at like 13 and rubbed one off because he saw some, you know, buxom blonde at the front row who is twisting and squirming because they were filled with the Holy Ghost. 
little Marjo action there. Marjo. Well, moving back to the actual overview, the film runs for an hour and 32 minutes and sports an unreasonably high Rotten Tomatoes score of 29%. You can currently purchase a nicely packaged physical copy as part of the Roger Corman collection of releases, or you can do the more rational option, which is what I didn't do, and you can stream it for free directly from the official, unofficial, official sponsor, of Safe Drive Cinema. Tubi! Brought to you by Tubi. The unofficial, official, unofficial, official, unofficial sponsor. Correct. Well, with the overview out of the way, why don't we take a little time to discuss some initial thoughts. Patrick, we'll start with you, as we always do. What did you think Star Crash? I have to say, 29 on Rotten Tomatoes, criminally low. This movie rules. Now, here's what I'll say. For a movie that's only 92 minutes long, could have been 30 minutes shorter. The 30 minutes, 30 minutes longer, too. It could have been 30. I mean, it could have been three hours longer, for all I know. But the there was a point in the movie when I thought it was over, and then there was like 30 minutes left, and I was like, oh, wow, there's a whole act four now, all of a sudden. Um, but I had a great time. I If if this had been like a, like a tight 60 the pinnacle of trash cinema for me, but it's coming in at a strong, like I, I was very pleased with what, what I watched for this podcast that I do with you, Cayman. Hell yeah. Well, that's a first Taylor. That's not a first. It's, it's like the third time. It's like a second out of 12 episodes. Yeah. All right, Taylor, you're the one who brought us the film. You're the uh, one who championed this movie. So tell me and Patrick and our audience, your initial thoughts. Well, so I, I, have, I have a deep and abiding, I'm going to say unironic love of this movie. Um, I have a soft spot for Italian ripoffs of um, properties that I love. Like I've, I've seen pretty much every Italian ripoff of Conan the Barbarian and Mad Max and Star Wars. And I love them so much. Uh, there's just, I don't know, there's, there's so much love and enthusiasm in these terrible ripoff movies. And it's just, it's so much fun. Um, and also has way better of a cast than it has any right to. Like Christopher Plummer, I'm going to just say it. Christopher Plummer is carrying the movie. Uh, he Every performance is a different kind of bad, except Christopher Plummer. He yeah. clearly, he shows up. He's a professional. He's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to just, I'm going to put in a Shakespearean gravitas mm-hmm. performance while wearing uh, gold lame and a cape. Because I'm Christopher motherfucking Plummer. Yeah. Christopher Plummer in this movie is proof that if you're a good enough actor, it truly doesn't matter the material you're you're given. You will make it work. Because he's incredible. There's like a little bit of trivia for him. I think it's Robert De Niro. No, no, it's um, it's not Robert. Who's the other one? Uh, um, Gino? Al Pacino, yeah, fucking oh, Christ. Who, like, if you know, like, Al Pacino does not do good movies anymore. Like, every once in a while, he'll pop up in a Scorsese film, but he does shit films. And the reason he does is because he's like, hey, I, I have such a, a historied career at this point that I do these movies so that I can try to elevate bad movies to be better and also help teach younger actors and whatnot and young directors who are making bad movies, like, how to make them better and be better. And Christopher Plummer definitely is one of those in this movie. It's like he showed up for a paycheck, but he put in a fucking performance. And we'll actually talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And with that out of the way, let's get on to the show, guys. Star Crash, everyone. Prepare yourself 
to enter a strange new world of amazing sights and sounds. Starcraft. From deep space, from the farthest reaches of the haunted universe, comes the supreme galactic spectacle. Starcraft. Rated PG. The film opens. A plastic ship flies through space, resembling something of the Star Destroyer. Some trivia. Uh, the spaceship in the opening sequence bears the name Murray Leinster, after the sci-fi writer and special effect pioneer of the same name. Leinster, real name Will F. Jennings, also invented the front-projected optical process that was first used in 2001, A Space Odyssey, and has first since became a cinematic mainstay. How about also- that? Uh, the uh, the opening in the um, there's a little uh, announcement over the intercom in the ship calling I think Lieutenant Bradbury Sergeant Bradbury mm-hmm. I don't remember yeah. the rank but you know like hey we've read a star a sci-fi thing yeah you we know, know sci-fi here about. yeah yeah I love it I love it a security man in a sweet mohawk helmet rides an elevator to the main bridge he asks another security guy about the planet they're approaching it's a nice planet. Upon approaching, all of the security guys are attacked by polka dots and get some really bad migraines. Cayman, do we think George Lucas got the idea of Hoth from Star Crash? That's actually a really good point. And I think it's that there's enough substantial evidence that we can currently say that George Lucas ripped off this film in multiple ways. I'm declaring it canon. Yeah, this is Star Wars canon. This yeah. is Star Wars canon. The Not Destroyer launches several ships towards the planet and they explode. Title screen Star Crash. I also love how, like, we all know at this point that early Star Wars, a lot of the spaceship stuff, if not all of it, is done with like miniatures. But yeah. I love how with this film, it is so unabashedly like toys. Like, it, it yeah. is. There is not enough budget to hide the fact that these are just like Legos that they're yes. <laughs> that they're filming essentially, and I love that they don't seem to shy away from that. I love that they clearly just took like, all right, let's let's glean all the little bits of the models and glue them onto the ship. Like, you know what little sprue frame thing they came <laughs> yeah. in? Yeah. Just glue all of those to it as well. Yeah. Why not? You know, it's one of those things I like to do at night is to get inebriated and lay in bed and watch people do kit bashing. And they basically take like random bits and bobs from toys, Gundam units, whatever. And then they make something really crazy, really cool out of it. This is similar to that, except just way worse. Yeah. Uh, Like just really fucking bad. Yeah. We cut to a different, more puny ship. A lady and a man that isn't David Asselhoff are chilling when he casually blurts out, oh, it's the cops. The TV monitor on the ship comes on and a bald guy says some shit. Then the poor man's Darth Vader comes on screen. He tells them to pull over. So they decide to jump into hyperspace. And this poor man's Darth Vader has like a thick Southern accent. Oh my God. Really? I, I, I'm convinced that whoever plays L Judd Hamilton, as I'm about to share with the audience is actually goofy. The dog. Cause he, there, there are some real kind of moments from L. Oh yeah. And, there's some hook. Yeah. I yeah. see it. Yeah. Uh, so some trivia, Judd Hamilton, who is the actor in the L robot suit, also known as Darth Dildo, uh, henceforth, was married to Caroline Monroe at the time. 
He did not do the voice of the robot. He was a popular studio musician and member of the T-Bones who had a few hits. So he's just he's just the guy in the suit. He's not even the voice. He's the guy in the suit. I mean, the whole film was dubbed back over, um, which is very apropos of the time. Um, Yeah. It's like, well, I think the term that was used is like shooting wild. And Mm -hmm. so just have random, very well-known actors just there for physical performances and nothing else. Also, basically everyone outside of like the main eight cast members are very Italian. So, (laughs) I mean, you're going to have to dub it over anyway. Also, Caroline Monroe is extremely British and is very much in this movie. So, yep. Yes. She Um, has a very thick British accent. In this particular scene, though, I want to point out that, that Darth Dildo tells them on the screen to pull over. (laughs) <laughs> they're in space <laughs> what is pulling over in space there are a few like little i don't know what the term would be but like later in the movie they like jump out a window in space it's like the, there are just some like some laws of physics and laws of the universe that don't work in space that they're just like eh, whatever insane yeah. absolutely I, insane. And- I'm sure, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I love that, like, towards the end of the movie, it's like, you know, to beat the bad guys, let's shoot missiles full of dudes through <laughs> the windows of this spaceship yeah, in no spacesuits, and it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so about, I, I have some military strategy quibbles with the end of it. But we'll, <laughs> we'll get to we'll it. Get there. We'll get there. Well, the two smugglers, they think they've escaped, but they come upon a neutron star, which apparently will kill them. So they eject from their ship and then promptly celebrate surviving as they narrowly survive the <clears throat> the haunted stars, which is where they were apparently headed to. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sounds they like stumble a stumble across. On, or a, it sounds like a level on Mario Galaxy, the haunted yeah. stars. Yeah. They stumble across a lifeless spaceship. So the lady, whose name we haven't heard yet so far, she disembarks the ship and boards the vacant spacecraft. Upon the spaceship, she finds a half-dead spaceman with literally one of the biggest bulges that is in this movie. Like, this dude is packing some heat in them them pleather spandex pants he's wearing. Oh yeah. Now, the half-dead spaceman, he uses some telepathy to tell the what I assumed at the point was the ship captain. And I don't know if that's accurate, uh, but he tells him about some red monsters and that they need to alert the, this is Christopher Plummer's character, his full title, the quote emperor of the first circle of the universe, which begs the question, who is the emperor of the second circle of the universe or how many circles of the universe are there? Came in. Is the first circle the, the top circle or the bottom circle? Is he Where is he in the pecking order of circular emperors? Luigi, oh. we need answers. Luigi, if you're still alive, we need you on the show to debunk some of the myths we're about to come up <laughs> with to explain all of this movie. Because yeah. it is genuinely unexplainable honestly i'm learning that. i'm learning so much about this movie from this plot synopsis because so much of this wide right over my head oh i i watched this movie twice <laughs> i'm not I'm kidding i watched this movie <laughs> twice I, w- I was so confused the first time i waited to the next day and watched it again to just fact check myself and honestly 
still have no clue what's going on. Yeah. yeah. I've seen this movie several, several times. Um, this is, I think, the first time I've watched it um, in no kind of altered state whatsoever. Mm. It did not help. It did not make it more <laughs> uh, more cogent. See, I Does did it, it the flip. I did it the flip way. I watched it so bone cold sober the first time so I could do the script and then watched it drunk the second time to be like, maybe I need to be inebriated and my brain just works better if that's the case. And it will, but it didn't. Mm. It didn't. I think you need to be Italian to get it. I will say while Uh, drunk, I I did see, I did see a bunch (laughs) of like shit in the background of scenes that was like definitely not supposed to be there, which was pretty Mm -hmm. entertaining. Now (laughs) back to the actual story. What's going on here. The two get caught by the space police and we find out they're smugglers. Also, that the lady is named Stella Starr. And if that is not a, the most porn name that you've ever heard, then you should probably get on Pornhub right now and Google that or Google that into Pornhub. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There's just 100% a porn star out there that has this name. I'm and, sure. uh, you know, take one for the team audience. We also, cut to her the- name means Star Star. Castella <laughs> is Italian for star. Oh, wow. I had no so, idea. God damn it. Just throwing that out there. And That's she's amazing. also wearing a star earring the whole time. Oh my god! So she's on the nose, on top of the nose, on top of the nose. Is we she cut. wearing the lingerie costume at this point yet, or not yet? No, no, we'll not get yet. There. Okay. Now we cut to the bad emperor, and as he finds out that the only survivor that was found on the ship, um, he just finds this out, and we don't really know why, but we find this out. He calls for his, and I swear to God, I, I watched the movie twice, and I'm still not sure what they're called, but I think it's they're called golems they're these crazy robots that kind of look like c-3po that's been melted down just the toy version of c-3po that's been melted and down and they just pit bits and bobs on them uh, and he tells them that they must not fail him with one simple task what that task is no fucking idea never dressed never again know. we don't know what that task is we then see a green upside down testicle headed thing and he sentences the two smugglers to some crazy-ass uh, prison sentences. Uh, Acton, the, the guy, as we find out, uh, Marjo Gortner, uh, he gets 230 <laughs> years of hard labor on a prison planet. And Stella Starr gets hard labor for life. And, like, this labor camp, there are no railings. Like, there's a lot of safety concerns I have. Oh, yeah. So many safety concerns. OSHA would have a field day with this place. OSHA would have a field day. I I just... 230 years. How long do these people live in this universe? Which, I gotta... Okay, what the fuck is Acton? What is his deal? We never find (laughs) out. He's apparently an alien, but looks more human than the green-headed police officer. Mm -hmm. And he's also dressed like a great value version of the greatest American hero. Mm-hmm. Which I think and, is the inspiration because he's got the same hair, he's got the red yeah. and black. I assume that was on TV at the time, probably. And it also looks like he just crawled out of a bronzer bottle because, like, that's not oh, his yeah. skin tone. That is oh, not no, his you skin can tone. definitely tell his neck is like very pale and his yeah. face is very Donald Trump orangey bronze. I mean, is his life not eternal though, as a evangelical pastor? Oh, fair, and, so maybe you know, allegedly. Allegedly, like when you die life. and you allegedly go to heaven, you will now spend whatever the remaining years of that is in heaven just cleaning people's shoes <laughs> at a labor camp. <laughs> yeah. Or juggling, juggling neon lights, I guess. 
Neat, so apparently, eyes. though, uh, Taylor, to your point about Acton, apparently he was originally devised as a grotesque alien, but Marjo refused to wear any heavy makeup, to which I say, well, why did you lather yourself in bronzer? But yeah, that's that, that is heavy makeup. But yeah, it is. Now we cut to the prison planet, the one with all the OSHA violations. We see Stella, who is dressed in not just a bikini, but like the skimpiest bikini. Like a bikini that is so skimpy, if you were to see that on a beach, you would be curious as to how that person is allowed to wear that in public. Yeah. Sure. It's a space bikini. It's a space game. Yeah. It's also important to point out that all the other space slave prisoners that are there with her are fully clothed, like head to toe, like the most Puritan outfits you could imagine are they're just completely covered. And she's over here rocking essentially like a string bikini thong. Which when begs they learned... the question, she wasn't wearing that when she got sentenced. So was that the prison that <laughs> That was that means that's one of two things. It's either the prison outfit that they issued her, or she decided from her apparently pretty large wardrobe based on what she wears throughout this movie. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the space kini for prison. That seems to be yeah. that seems think, to be the best bet. I think once the warden learned her name is Star Star, mm. he knew exactly what to, yeah. to I will I will say yeah. in her defense of the outfit choice like we've mentioned there are no handrails this is a prison planet and presumably there's also no ac so mm. she's at least a little bit cooler than the rest of them who are all dressed in potato sacks yeah 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 isn't so, space supposed to be cold though yeah yes i think also, I don't... pleather does not breathe i mm, i can say that from breathable. experience Mm-hmm. leather mm-hmm. does not breathe pleather does not breathe mm-hmm. <laughs> so like yeah you're mostly uncovered but those bits that are gonna get you're gonna get some space funk real fast oh yeah oh actually yeah. you're putting glowing balls into a hole which is apparently <laughs> what the hard labor entails yeah. oh yeah now she uh she's still a star her she banters with two other prisoners and they devise a plan to escape then a gunfight breaks out and Sella just she just lets uh, the other prisoners die so that she can go and apparently blow up the prison. Yeah. I take no issue with her choices. After she escapes and she runs through some a brush, which was one of the funniest scenes because you're definitely like this is shot in fucking Florida. Like she, they're just like, what swamp can we dump her in for? Like just a quick shot, real quick. Let's fly her across the world for this. Uh, she's picked up by the Southern Darth Vader. And his bald compatriot, the space police from before. We then cut to a completely different ship. Uh, and then Acton walks out and he greets her. And apparently the space police and Darth Dildo are friends with them. I can't explain to you how confusing the last minutes of the movie have been for me. Because yeah. at this point, I legitimately have no clue. And at this point, while writing the script, I had no idea what was in store for me for the rest of the film. But it did not get any easier. No. This was when I like I, I had been kind of following so far, but that specific interaction was when I was like, wait a second. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't so I was like, well, I, who's who's bad, who's good? Space police, I thought they were bad, but uh, uh, I don't know. This movie is an hour and 32 minutes long. 
it took me almost four hours to actually finish it because I had to pause so many times to be like, <laughs> look back through my notes and be like, okay, what the fuck is going on? I definitely have missed something. I rewound. I probably watched in total three, this movie three times on how sure. many times I had to rewind and watch scenes to figure out what was happening. That's what Luigi wants. That's the, the yeah. real way to watch this movie. I'm also confused by the fact that they commute her sentence after she murders like 10 prison guards, <laughs> which seems to me to be way worse than running from the space police. Not in space. Not in space. There are no rules, rules are different. In space, apparently. Nah. Time moves differently. They go to a golden ship and someone tells Acton he's going to meet some royalty. Then a holographic image displays and the emperor, the good one, also Christopher Plummer, Tells Stella and Acton that they are the only hope to save the galaxy by two warring factions. This is when I, you know, standing up cheering because Christopher Plummer is on screen. Also, one of the like three times we see him, which is criminal, but (laughs) it's true. uh, But I, when we were watching this last night, I was like, there has to be an interview somewhere about why Christopher Plummer did this movie. And Cayman, being the great host he is, found some trivia uh, that says that Christopher Plummer admitted that he did the film solely so that he could visit Italy for free. In an interview, he said, quote, give me Rome any day. I'll do porno in Rome as long as I can get to Rome. Getting to Rome was the greatest thing that happened in that for me, end quote. So like, I get it. It all makes sense now. Italy's lovely. Yeah. And in the 70s, come on. Unbeatable. Oh boy. Oh man. Can you oh the my amount god. Of bushes that you're just seeing on the reg out there. Just I can't so much. Italian bush. Apparently the count, the bad one or the bad emperor. At this point they start calling him the count even though they started calling him the emperor before. It's just not it doesn't matter. He has created his own death star and that the ship they found was spying on the weapon and was attacked by monsters. He's talking uh, Acton and Stella and they Tell them they need to go to the haunted stars, but they also need to go to an ice planet. And then they also need to go to another planet uh, and they need to find the emperor's son. And then um, they have to destroy his weapon. And um, yeah, that's the plot of the movie, guys. (laughs) We learned the plot of the movie already. It was all leading to this. Yeah. All that build up was for this. So I, I will say I speaking of the death, I don't know if you'll you'll uh, bring this up later. Um, the hand ship, I just want to say it's really fucking cool. That's it is it's pretty cool. It's I mean, the miniatures work is is spotty, but a giant evil hand spaceship that opens and closes for no discernible reason is cool as shit, and I think it needs yeah. to be appreciated. I agree. That is, I'm, true. I'm team hand ship. It's at this point that we find out that Darth Dildo is a spy for the Emperor and the the bald green guy who looks like a sad Drax, the Destroyer from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Apparently, he too is also a spy and they are tasked to go with Stella and Acton. And uh, I'm not sure how we got here, or how any of this movie is going so far, but that's where we are. So they decide to get it to in this new ship, and they fuck right out of the big golden toilet ship looking thing, and then they just jump into hyperspace and they head towards presumably the haunted stars. Now they get to a planet 
Just, this script, I swear, I promise you, I did my due diligence when writing this. <laughs> <laughs> Stella and Darth Dildo all of a sudden appear on a planet, uh-huh. and um, they find a, cr- a crashed spaceship. That they're like, okay, maybe the Emperor's son's there, but they're like, nah, it's well, too mangled. No way. They're they're flying. This this produces one of my favorite lines from the movie, uh, which is because they have some trouble entering the atmosphere, and uh, in his very southern accent uh l goes ooh we water makes me so nervous <laughs> i was like what what is this writing whoever wrote this script i i wonder if it had the same thing that like troll had where it the the um translation was just so bad that mm. a lot i wonder if part of the reason that some of these lines are just so awkward is because of the translation or maybe l just is really afraid of water who knows i mean you could definitely tell that like the movie was written in English. This wasn't like a lot of Italian films. They're written in Italian. They're performed in Italian. And then later with Italian actors. And then later it's dubbed in English. And then they're, you know, you can tell this was 100% done in English. And so I'm hoping you're right. Either that or whoever wrote the script was like eight years old. Hey, there's, (laughs) and and, and then it's Luigi. He was the one who took credit for this. So, Fucking Christ. I hope he was eight when he made it. I that's that's something to be proud of. Good <laughs> job, buddy. Good job. Proud of you. So the two find that crash ship and then they find a laser spear. And um now they know that they're not alone on a planet because they found a laser spear. And then they're approached by what L calls them Amazons on horseback. And they literally painted horses red and then put like jungle masks on horses and a bunch of guess what bikini clad women are riding them why not now the uh the two our duo are uh are apprehended at this point by the amazons and then they're taken into presumably a fortress i don't know we don't see it they just are there now and then apparently um the queen of the amazons needs some sort of revenge done and they shoot L in the chest and he dies. <laughs> and here we are. Now, he just, I will he say he fucking is exploded. Oh, like he, he blows up. Yeah. Now, I will say in Stella's defense, she does put up a good fight, uh, but she is taken into the throne room where, like I mentioned before, all of the women are wearing very revealing bikinis. And somehow, and I will say there is no nudity in this film, but it is arguably the uh most sexy film we've probably Ooh. ever covered and we've really? covered films where the entire cast was porn stars so could be i i even i was surprised at how little we got the amazons i felt like they the way that they were introduced they seemed like they were going to be this really big piece of the plot and then like this is really all we got of them which seems out of character for 70s italian filmmakers like you're going to make this army of bikini women and then yeah. barely put them in the movie which goes against everything I know about Italian cinema, right. cinema but all right. True. Well, the queen yells that she's going to put Stella in a quote unquote mind probe. Um, but the not actually dead uh, phallic Darth Vader uh, shows up and he saves them by taking the queen hostage and then immediately lets her go because that's a bold move there. With no explanation as to how he went from like completely dismembered as a robot to back and totally fine. No, there's totally no. Fine. And I, I accepted it as an audience member. I was fine well, with it. 
the two try to escape, and in the process, they vaporize a couple of ladies. And then on the way out, a 750-foot-tall metal booby bot uh, chases after them. Guys, I, it, can someone take over for me, please? I, I don't know what's happening anymore. Man, I, re- I, I've reread this script so many. I don't know what's happening. So if, if y'all, I don't know if you've seen the, the uh, Ray Harryhausen, um, Jason and the Argonauts. It is the exact mm, same scene where they get chased by the giant bronze statue. It's the same thing. Like, shot yeah. for shot, the exact same scene, but done so much worse. Um, <laughs> it, it, it looks like you, they took a Ray Harryhausen creation and put it in the microwave. Yes, it is, like, half-melted. There, yeah. made, like, any parts that were, like, liquid enough for something to, like, stick to it, they just put something there. And this robot has a full set of double Ds, okay? Yeah. And, and like... I don't know what size, to think I, about this. Oh yeah, my this god! This robot is stacked. Yeah. <sighs> Got some some yonkers on them. Yeah. Now Stella and Dildo on the brink of death are then saved by Acton and the poor man Strax the Destroyer. On their flight off planet, they destroy a bunch of other ships because why not? Action. Now, action. They next embark to an ice planet that freezes when the sun sets. They find another ship and Stella apparently finds some clothes as well. So good for her. Some trivia. Caroline Monroe was originally going to wear a skimpy leather bikini outfit through the entire film, but American studio executives insisted that writer-director Luigi Cozzi have Monroe wear less provocative clothing in the second half because they thought the film would have problems being broadcast on television, to which I say, American executives, that's not the reason this movie probably had problems on American television, uh, network television. You know, out of all of the things that Roger Corman has done right in his career, I'm going to be the first to say it. This was the one mistake he made <laughs> because that bikini is fantastic and really sells the film as the trash cinema that it is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, now, when she goes to this ice planet, I was really expecting this just like sexy ice bikini. Mm. And then she was just wearing like a, a, a parka and i was like oh well that's disappointing yeah taylor i know you're good you're an improv guy off the top of your head tell me what you think the appropriate ice bikini would look like uh i would say pro- silver because mm-hmm. um yep. because a thermal blanket is silver it it, it sure. holds heat in uh white fur lined mm. so equally as skimpy as the black leather prison space bikini, but with just a white fur lining around it yeah, you know I what? can see it. I'm sold. It's winter. I'm sold. Yeah. Absolutely sold. Well, they can't find the Emperor's son, so they just give up. That's what happens. They just yeah. give up. They're like, fuck it. Can't find him. Let's get out of here. So they so walk out of the spaceship. We got to Acton. I feel like the big moral of this movie is when in doubt, give up. Just give up. Yeah, it happens quite often. That's how I we live got my to life. Acton, and he's doing some electric hand magic, then talks to a giant computer brain, and then Sad Drax attacks him and subsequently kills him. Twist. Ah. Um, apparently, Sad Drax is actually a double spy. A double spy. There's probably a term for that. Um, so he calls up the Count. He fills him in on the group's plans. He then tries to take off in the ship. Uh, but the brain computer tells him there's a malfunction and they can't leave. Now, I do want to point out that when I say brain computer, 
I literally mean it is a replica of a human brain, just about 400 times the size of a human brain. Yeah. Yep. And honestly, pretty cool. Like, I kind of yeah. loved it. It looks cool. I gotta say, the set design of this movie is fucking rad. Like, oh, that's, it yeah. really is. The cockpit uh, set, I guess this is the Imperial ship that they're in, is really, really cool. Um that's what I would say if I'm going to give this movie props other than it casting Christopher Plummer. The set design in basically yeah. every scene is really, really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can tell yeah, yeah. the set designing artists, like, they cared what they were Yeah, doing. 100%. Yeah. Now, we get back. Stella and Dickhead show back up to the, the ship, and Sadrax tells them that he's stranding them outside so they can freeze to death. Then tells them he's going to be the Count Emperor's bitch boy. Darth Dildo put Stella in an extended animation or something and he goes to sleep and then she goes to sleep and then they both get covered in snow. And once again, I really have no idea what's happening in this movie and I cannot explain it to you. Yeah. This was one of those just go with the flow. We're going to figure out in about five yeah. minutes what's happening. Yeah. Something's going to happen. Hold hands. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fine. And they have and this really like touching moment in the snow. Yeah. Like it's this like weirdly sincere exchange between the two of them before she freezes. Mm-hmm. She says something along the lines of like, when I fought you as an adversary, I knew you would never stop or give up. And now's the time, now that we're compatriots, that I really appreciate and admire that about you. And then she freezes to death. All right, yeah. well, Acton wakes back up because he ain't dead. And he goes all Star-Lord all over Drax's ass with some space magic, some space kung fu, and some general badassery. Acton then kills Sadrax and saves Stella and her faithful dildo-shaped companion. I just had another thought, Cayman. Tell me. Another aspect of the Emperor or the Empire Strikes Back Mm -hmm. is Stella in this movie being frozen in ice, Han being frozen in carbonite. I'm just saying, there's just like it it keeps adding up that George Lucas is a thief. Uh, But this specific scene to stay on track. Completely improvised between Marjo and Robert. You know what? No, I believe you. After watching like, it, I believe you. And like I usually, I would say, you know, that's very dangerous for the actor. Someone could get hurt, but like it worked here. It completely I mean, worked. it does something. It does, does something. Now, Acton uses his unexplained space magic to reheat Stella's body and she thaws out. Um, I'm going to move on with Stella back in her <laughs> bikini and acting done doing whatever the fuck it is. He's doing the trio escape the ice planet on their way to their last destination. The trio is attacked by the red polka dots. Darth dildo speaks in tongues. Stella screeches and acting seemingly unfazed yells for the robot to fire at what you ask. No one knows. Then he laughs hysterically and then revives his now unconscious crewmates. Then, because this is how this movie plays out, he informs them that they just survived the most powerful weapon in the universe. Which, as an audience member, I go, oh, okay. Thank you for that exposition. Because <laughs> I didn't catch that from what you just shared. So, question, boys. Yeah. Okay. Hear me out. If this is the most powerful weapon in the universe, mm. why is it not very powerful at all? 
It's red dots. It's just red dots. And this is the the first circle of the universe. Ooh. So what is the second circle? Is it more Mm. powerful in the second circle? Maybe. Blue dots. I wonder, is it so? Is this like the whole thing in the 90s where they said don't shine a laser uh, pointer at at an airliner because you'll bring it down? Oh. Maybe red dots have been the most powerful weapon in the universe this whole time. We're just not utilizing them to their fullest extent. (laughs) How many of us have broken a leg playing Twister? Oh. Mm. Oh. Well, just saying. Stella. The enemy's been hiding in plain sight this whole time. <laughs> Stella and Phallic Zeke from Bob's Burgers go onto the planet in search of the Emperor's Son. A new planet, a planet we've never seen before, a planet that wasn't addressed to us. They yeah. just are all of a sudden go from exposition to arriving on a new planet. I would love to see one of those, you know, in, in like older movies when they're sh- they're like in order to show uh they're like where they've gone in the world cuts out it's a map and it's like the dots i would love to see in this first circle of space in the universe like their trajectory where they went because they go to like 19 planets yeah give us some world building yeah Yeah, give give it yeah like yeah you know full lord of the ring style map yeah i want star (laughs) crash lore oh i give it like a we need a Wikipedia for Star Crash. Oh, uh-huh. fuck yeah. Uh, some trivia here, though. So Caroline Monroe, who plays Stella Star, a.k.a. Star Star, uh, in the Space Kini, apparently had a close call with some gastric distress, Taylor, which she mm. revealed in an interview with Phantasm Magazine in 1993. She says, in one scene, I needed the bathroom so bad, I thought, it's a good job. I, I, I'm assuming it's a good thing. I'm wearing a plastic suit over my bikini. If you know what I mean. So it sounds like she was at parts of this film. If I watch it a second time, I might ask myself, why does it look like she's about to shit herself? Probably because she was. Yeah. Do we think, do we think the movie would be elevated if there was a scene where Stella star literally shits all over herself in this like translucent raincoat over her bikini and she's covered in diarrhea. Shit shit crash. It's like a trauma film. I don't want to say no. I don't want to be a no man here, but I don't think the movie needed it. I think the movie speaks for itself on its own. It didn't. You don't think the movie needed a little scatological examination? I mean, Space Scat might have been a hat on a hat at that point. That's fair. There's already so many hats on top of hats. That is very fair. (laughs) You don't need a shit hat. So on this new planet, they stumble across the two of them, Stella and uh, and Darth Dildo. They, they stumble across a another crash ship, the last crash ship, the last attempt to find the Emperor's son. And Darth Dildo says he's going to show Stella some, and I quote, I literally fucking quote, some robot chauvinism. Yeah, that and is the only line I wrote verbatim in my notebook because yeah. we it needs to be addressed. Shockingly. This scene does not end in a softcore sex scene between Stella Star and a dildo. How? I mean, how? American producers wanting this to be shown on TV, I'm guessing. What the? Which I don't think it ever was. What the fuck is robot chauvinism? Well, so I think I think what he meant to say. I don't think he they in the, the the script. I don't think they mean chauvinism. I think they mean, uh, and I can't even think of the word right now. I'm stalling to try to think of it. When like uh, when you're nice, chivalry, chivalry. I think they meant to say ah. robot chivalry, and they said robot chauvinism. 
I think. Those are very different yeah. things. Those very are different things. Very but different But like things. when you think about like what just happened, like the the what's happening in the script, I th- like he's helping her. So like I think in a way he's being chivalrous. I think that's what he what they meant to say. So I love this movie so much. Yeah. I just I mean it was written by an eight-year-old Italian, so let's cut him some slack. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, they gotta learn. You gotta learn as a kid. Well, Stella and uh and El the robot. Uh, they are attacked by a bunch of jumping cavemen, and in the process, her robot lover is dismembered and left for dead. I was really scared where this movie was headed in this moment when there's like 18 cavemen carrying a woman. I'm like, oh boy, oh, is yeah. this when it is this when it gets really bad? But it didn't. It's it's gonna get yeah. It doesn't get any sexier than her getting carried around in her bikini by a bunch of cavemen. We got this to a was- cave. This was the moment where I was most happy that it, the, the movie's pretty chaste for the most part. It's pretty mm-hmm. sexless. And I'm really glad in this moment that it was because we really yeah. didn't need an Correct. I spit on your grave. Just 20 minute. Mm. Yeah. I, I thank you, Luigi Cozzi. No yeah. one needed that. Yeah. So we got to a cave where Stella is now being hung upside down, screaming for her life. When a mysterious figure clad in black leather and wearing a bedazzled lizard bike helmet thing and he jumps out and saves her who is this mysterious mysterious chap you might be asking none other than david fucking hasselhoff i had forgotten at this point that david hasselhoff was in the opening credits so this was like a cheer moment for me like i could because i i had completely forgotten that he was gonna i did the math he's like 25 in this movie he looks like a baby little baby boy um amazing apparently hair. though oh yeah that little tiny afro um apparently he got food poisoning during shooting so a lot of what we see is not actually him it's like a, a production assistant just like in a mask um he, but but he did supposedly do most of his own stunts and on the first day of stunt work he accidentally knocked out uh one of the italian stuntman's teeth so a lot a lot happening in the world of david hasselhoff from food poisoning to assault there were so many borderline shitting yourself moments in this movie where like yeah i mean i'm just assuming they're out in italy and they're filming this movie they eat maybe some bad pizza maybe their pasta was a little too al dente Mm. and um you got half the crew just shitting their fucking brains out and uh it definitely helps with some of the like the facial expressions of distress on everyone's face in the whole movie is probably because they had liquid shit seeping down their pants. Yeah, that I mean, that seems to be a universal experience. Like yeah. the uh, craft services really dropped it a ball. <laughs> <laughs> now the two attempt to escape, but are stopped by more cavemen. Good thing Acton is always around and bust out a lightsaber, and then proceeds to murder about thirty dudes. Acton drops some knowledge because this is how this movie works. We got a lot of monologues to explain what's happening. And he informs that Hasselhoff and Stella that the planet they're on is actually the secret weapon. And the planet, uh, the, the secret weapon that they're the planet is, God only knows, because uh, God has forsaken us, and we will never know. Now, the new trio go into a secret planetary bunker where the HQ of the secret weapon is located. Whilst inside the room, Acton tells everyone that the red monsters are actually mental projections from the planet and they literally burn your brain so how did they survive the first time if their brains were being melted because that wasn't the case the first time 
the story was changed, seemingly. But plot armor? I, yeah, I, I this felt I like plot armor I to me. Know. But which, but that also implies that this movie has a plot. So fair, good point. That's true. Now, the three go to blow up the weapon, and then they're attacked by the Count's golems. A bunch of soldiers and the Count himself arrive. He monologues for a bit, the Count, that is, uh, and tells them that the planet they're on is going to blow up, and that the good Emperor is on the way, and he will, too, blow up. Then Hasselhoff tells Stella that he's actually a prince, and then the Count laughs maniacally for about 30-plus seconds, and then storms off. Once again, here we are. You're going to blow up the secret weapon? Like, the whole thing? The whole plot is that they're there to blow up that weapon, but then the Count's just going to blow up his own secret weapon? He's weren't expecting that. that. Also, <laughs> that big brain energy. One thing that's kind of cool, I realized watching this this time, uh, this is almost sort of like a pre-union with Caroline Monroe and Joe Spinell, because they're both in Maniac together, like, mm-hmm. two years after this. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's true. How about that? It's very true. Um, since we're talking about Joe Spinell, actually some trivia. Um, where to go? Uh, he uh, also worked as, as the dialogue director on the set of this film, uh, and he dubbed his own voice using a different accent to hide his very distinct New York accent. How about that? So we can solely blame all of this ridiculous dialogue on Joe, on Spinell. Joe Spinell. It's his fault. Hundred percent. It's his fault now. Thanks, maniac. Jesus Christ. Now, at this point, the two robot golems from the very beginning of the movie that we still don't know what their secret task is. Guess what? They show back up. And then Acton busts out another lightsaber, a different colored lightsaber, I might add, and then fights them. He takes one down, but then has his arm sliced. And when I mean sliced, it is a flesh wound slice. It is like a scratch, which then leads to Hasselhoff, taking the reins and showing off his own sword fighting skills. With the two robots dispatched, apparently a small flesh wound though is enough to kill Act in the Space Wizard. He sends Stella and Hasselhoff off so he can die, though he definitely can walk. And there's no reason for him to sit there, but he does it anyway because the plot deems it necessary. Mm-hmm. Then he turns into a bolt of lightning and disappears. So, all right. <laughs> Basically... I have 40 questions about this movie and 39 of them are about Acton. Cause yes. all right. One, he deflected laser beams with his God blessed hands. Mm-hmm. And, but this little cut by this stop motion robot is enough to kill him. Also, I, there's he, there, they layer so much shit about Acton into this movie that it's easy to forget about the fact that he says that he can see them to the future. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, he can. And he asks, and Stella asks him after he reveals that, well, why didn't you tell me that he was a traitor? And he said it's against the law. (laughs) But we've already addressed, though, there are no laws in space. There are no laws, but there are laws that, like, you know the future, but you can't tell anyone the future. But he also knew that in the future that he was going to get cut in the arm by this robot, which apparently, I... (sighs) Whoever was, you know, the script analyst on set didn't have the heart to tell his eight-year-old child that wrote the script that what they wrote makes no sense. Yeah. They just let it all go. I got to say, I wrote a bunch of things when I was eight, and none of them were as good as Star Crash. So, (laughs) you know what? I'm right there with you, buddy. 
Now, things are about to get even more insane because the good emperor shows up, good old Christopher Plummer, and they tell Oscar him that winner. they need Oscar winner, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> they tell them, we need to leave the planet because it will blow up in literally 43 seconds. So specific. But he tells them, hey, don't worry, guys. I'm Christopher Plummer. I'm Christopher fucking Plummer. I have a golden spaceship. And guess what my golden spaceship can do? I can, it can freeze time for three three minutes, which gives us plenty enough time to leave the planet, board the ship, and then vacate far enough that the explosion will not kill us. And I'm, I'm not sure how time works exactly, but like I just don't think this is plausible. Capital P, capital A, plot armor. Also, three minutes still doesn't seem like enough time to leave an underground lair, get on a spaceship, and then get out of the the range of the blast radius of a fucking planet. Not it takes me like, right. th- it takes me longer than three minutes just to get undressed more often than not because my feet get stuck in the pant legs, my pants, and I'm like kind of fat and shit, and like trying to like get off, get them off, can't do it, and so like. Do you expect these people to flee a fucking planet in the same amount of time it takes me just to remove my drawers? No. Nah. They saunter. Prove it. Saunter. All right. I've never walked or- that slow <laughs> in my whole life. Yeah. They do like, going- a whole routine. Like, we all have to, all the, the the security guards are like, we all have to walk around the same exact way. And this is insane. We- I go to the checkout line at Target with more urgency than these people leave an exploding planet. A hundred percent. But there hey, guess what? Line. Apparently, three minutes is enough to escape a planet in a f- giant floating toilet, and they are able to ride off with just enough clearance for the planet behind them to explode. And boy, does it blow up. Mm-hmm. Now, with the Count thinking all the good guys are dead, the Emperor gathers his legions for a final assault on the Count and his bad guy clans. And when I mean the Count, I just mean his giant floating space hand. Now, over the course of the next five minutes, the golden toilet shoots out about a thousand golden ships from its bowl, and they fly towards the Count's evil hand spaceship. And when I say five minutes, this was the longest scene in the entire movie. There were like, you know they didn't put budget into it. Yeah, there were like five moments where I was like, wow, it's still going. They built too many ships. Yeah, we got to use them all. No, here's the thing, though. They didn't because they reused the same shot of the same two ships flying out eight times. Trust me. I rewound it and watched it again. Eight times they used the exact same scene of two ships flying out. They were really proud. Really proud. I didn't notice. So it worked. For (laughs) me, at least. Fair enough. Well... The, uh, the golden vessel then shoots the handship as well as explodes in another elongated laser tag game. The Emperor then shoots torpedoes filled with soldiers into the bad guy's ship, as we mentioned earlier, and an on-foot assault takes place. Though they think they have the upper hand, <sighs> the handship then sends its own ships after the Emperor. Then we have another five-minute scene of these ships flying around. What else are we supposed to do, Cayman? You, you present this as if it's a bad idea, but, like, what else do you want them to do? Which one? This, Not this have a space more... battle? I mean, they definitely have... They have multiple space battles in this Yeah. Movie. 
It's a movie it, called I, Star Crash. I yeah, I, that's well, but it's not. Like we're not even talking about what Star Crash even means at this point. We don't find out sure. until like another five minutes. Now we'll say that this is where we need to dissect and get into a little bit more meaty part of the the military tactics here of mm. sending torpedoes filled with human beings through windows on a spaceship, and then letting those men get out and then fighting. Isn't there like a thing about like a vacuum in space? Like once the the they blow through, like wouldn't everyone just be sucked out of the ship? Yeah, like even if it's a tiny hole, you'll get sucked into pieces like that hybrid thing in Alien Resurrection, just like bit by Ooh, bit. That's a good um, Also, I like that the Emperor, I guess spoiler, uh, the Emperor's, it doesn't go well, for, the battle doesn't go well for him. But it that's because not. he sent like five torpedoes with a total of 10 dudes into the ship and they die. That's his whole yeah. army, man. That's his whole army. That, are there 10 soldiers in the entire first circle of the universe? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is a, this is a yeah. sparsely populated universe. Yes. This though, like this whole segment, it, this is like what I was referring to earlier. Like we could cut all this. Like we didn't need this. Yeah. Let's just jump right past. Let's get right past the action. We don't need it. We know we what's happening. I agree. Yeah, we know what's going on. Uh, as you said, the Count is able to push back the assault and then tells his men to use the, wait for it, the Doom Machine. That's Thank what you. the secret weapon was called that was also just destroyed. How the fuck does this work? They just blew up the secret weapon. The, what if the real Doom Machine was the friends we made along the way? Whoa. See, Cayman, come on. God, this is why I have you guys. Because if it wasn't for y'all, I would literally, I would be bald at this point. Be completely bald. My scalp would be bleeding because yep. I'd rip the hair out of my head so much that just blood is gushing everywhere. All right. Well, we're moving on because I can't belabor this point anymore. This movie makes no sense. Don't worry, though. The Emperor also has a trick up his sleeve. And it's called, wait for it, The Star Crash. Okay, now I need you guys they said to bear the thing. They said here. the thing. They said the thing. They did. Titular yeah, roll line. Red roll credits. said the title of the movie. So I need you everyone to bear with me here because this this is a very complicated. Okay, we're about to get into a lot of space logistics. There is a secret floating city that no one's ever heard of. Okay, but it's also a ship. Okay, mm-hmm. they're gonna take that floating city ship. Okay, they're going to jump into hyperspace. Mm-hmm. It's such a high velocity that when they pop out of hyperspace, they can jump out, okay? And then that, that giant floating city will hit the other ship, and that will cause an explosion like a star exploding, and that's called Star Crash. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused as to what you're confused about, I think. I'm not. Well, I just saw very clear. All the Isn't that also behind. what Laura Dern does in The Last Jedi? <laughs> Did Star Wars rip off Star Crash again? See? It oh, keeps- my oh my God. Yeah. Up. Oh my God. See, this is what I'm talking about, guys. When I'm like, save to our cinema, we uncover, we uncover yeah. conspiracies. Yeah, okay? it's not true crime. This is, this it's, goes it's, deep. It's adjacent. <sighs> it's true crime. Very adjacent. deep. Luigi Cozzi needs to have like half the Lucasfilm money. Yes. They, Disney owes him so much money for stealing yeah. all of his fucking ideas. All right. Kathleen Kennedy. Okay, Can we, we get go. a Star Where's Crash the uh, series? 100%. 100%. The Book of right, Stella Star. Make it happen. Yeah, the book. Caroline, Caroline Monroe's still alive. She's not doing anything. Yeah. Make this yeah, happen. She, and, she's, 
If you don't know if you've seen her, she's 75 and is gorgeous. Be- she is like a, a fine wine. Beautiful lady. She is a very attractive old lady. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Almost like Laura twice. Linney. Don't know whatever shit mm. on Laura Linney. I stand Laura Linney. All right. So Stella and the Hoff, they make it to the floating city. Then she tells Hasselhoff that she's going to drive the city into hyperspace, then jump out at the very last minute, and then the, the, the floating city is going to hit the count ship. But because she ejects herself before she dies, she'll need someone to save her. And then, of course, that's got to be the Hoff. Also, Darth Dildo's back. Apparently, he's not actually dead, even though we've seen him very much die twice. Mm-hmm. And uh, Darth Dildo, her faithful companion, it's going to be her co-pilot. Which he recovers from getting smashed into pieces, like pieces, pieces by a caveman. Oh, yeah. But Acton dies from being cut on the arm. I just... And he doesn't come back. I oh, he, 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 I expected I him to yeah. reappear at the end. No, Acton's fucking dead. Yeah, fucking I, dead. The I, Book of Acton, not happening this fall. No. The Book of Acton, not. We need a whole movie about his backstory. All right, well, Stella and Dildo McSaggins climb into the city. <laughs> Can't. You just put they that literally in climb in like a car you. door. It's like a fucking car door. They just open it and get right into the cockpit just... of, a, of a utopia that apparently has been evacuated already. Like, time moves different in space, guys. It's also a really cool-looking city. It's in, like, uh, rainbow Lisa Frank colors. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Lisa it Frank like, made a utopia. It has like some very Xanadu vibes to it. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, we cut to the count, and one of his goons informs him that the floating city is going to crash into them. He then tells another goon to blow it up, but the goon responds by saying that it is impossible. Stella and the dildo send the ship hurtling towards the count and then jump out at the very last second, literally out a fucking window. Jumps into space, just completely. I, it was at this point when I had to ask myself, who on set didn't stop this from happening? Who on set didn't stop Stella Star from just hopping into space? And we don't have answers. Someone had to, like, I am concerned about the physics of this plot. (laughs) But and no one listens. Just someone throws a pizza at his face, and it's like, ah, oh, they shut up. Uh, hey, shut up your face. <laughs> shut up. And it's a pizza pie in your face. We have to support this eight-year-old to dream. You know, I feel like we're discriminating against Italians right now, and Evan Brando's out there somewhere listening oh, to this, and he's super fucking upset. And yeah, also, it to the, this, add it to uh, it. So, words. at this point, the goons, the Count's goons, they all flee the ship. And then the Count takes the full wrath of a mega city crashing directly into his teeth. Meaning he dies while also screaming at the top of his lungs amidst two full minutes of fireworks and plastic toys that have been built specifically for this movie to blow up. And there is one point where you can literally see a black gloved hand in a sparkler. Really? Like just slightly on screen holding it up against like a piece of plastic Lego. I'm not kidding. I miss it's that. incredible. Now yeah, I have to go back and watch incredible. this goddamn movie again because I miss that. You can see you can see black glove hands like moving things. You can see like uh like boomsticks with like the little ships on them like moving, and you can see the people behind them in full black like moving them too. It's incredible. 
absolutely one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. That's and it's it. at this point, floating aimlessly in space, the doer approached by the Hoff and his flying ship. Then Stella and the Hoff say each other's names like, several times. While, several times. While the mm-hmm. dildo obviously very jealous of this interaction. And then they hug. They hug. That, yeah. Yeah. They don't even kiss. They just hug. And I'm not going to lie. This is actually probably the best part of the entire movie because look, there's no build up here. This would have happened in any other movie. They would have made out, right? I mean, oh, yeah. tongue punching each other's throat boxes, but this movie knows what's up. And they're like, nah, we're friends. It's cool. I love that actually. Cause all right. One I thing, say- Hollywood, I, I probably have a few quibbles with them. One of them, I guess one of the minor ones is I, you don't have to because you're of the opposite sex of another person and you went through a terrifying ordeal together. It does not mean that you have to fall in love. Yeah, true. true I, true, true. so you know what? Respect for like, I think a hug is appropriate. We've been through yeah. a lot. Uh, there's nothing to establish that either of us have any real feel- feelings for each other. So a little, little pat on the back. Good yeah. job. We beat the bad guys. I love it. No notes. I, I also love like the, the lines there each of them say each other's name and in between them saying their names, L goes, Hmm. Like as if he was waiting for someone to say his own name. He's like, they never do. <laughs> 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 All right. Well then we close out on Christopher Plummer saying, quote, some dark force will emerge again, but the wheel must turn. Roll credits. Yep. The movie's over guys. <sighs> the Thank movies. We did it. Finally over. We did it. Oh god. Some uh, some trivia to close us out. The, honestly, this is the most jarring piece of trivia I've ever read on this show, and I'm very upset to know this and it not come true. Apparently, a dinosaur sequence was filmed and then was cut from the film. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Absolutely. Luigi. And everything else. Everything else going on. Why cut dinosaurs, guys? Why if cut Terrence dinosaurs? Malick- if Terrence Malick can do it in the Tree of Life, Luigi Cotzi could have done it in Starcraft. That's all. I'm saying. If we can get three Chris Pratt-led Jurassic Park reboots that all are horribly rated by both the audience and critics, why can't we have one here, guys? Yeah, why not? There's cavemen. There's fucking cavemen for no reason. Mm-hmm. Dinosaurs, yeah. I would argue, make more sense than cavemen in a space. I movie. would agree. I would agree. We all when I we have... were watching it last night, we were like, "How? Why are there? What the fuck?" choice is this it like it seems like everything is such a futuristic world and then all of a sudden there's cavemen like honestly i'm not complaining about the cavemen i'm just complaining about the lack of dinosaurs sure 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 i um but why not cavemen i love cavemen but dinosaurs too yeah uh apparently shooting took over six months and was frequently brought to a halt due to financing problems the film was originally made for american international pictures but after seeing the final cut they declined to release it and new world pictures stepped in instead american international pictures whoever was running that studio they knew what was up um and then finally in an interview with variety director luigi Cozzi stated that Although people assume Star Crash was an attempt to capitalize on the popularity of Star Wars, the design of the picture and its script were developed before the release of Star Wars. Well, like the okay. story, Luigi. Sure. Uh, 
Kazi said that the film's producer and screenwriter, Nat Washberger, and his son, producer Patrick Washberger, who had just developed the American production company Film Enterprises Productions, signed on to the film in May of 77 during the Cannes Film Festival after viewing sample work created by Kazi for investors. Yet others, uh, other reports claim that Washberger specifically asked Kazi to make a space opera like Star Wars and that Kazi had never seen the film, but he and the novelization of the film, and he had the novelization in his library. So he read it and began working on his own version. So there's two sides of it. I think it is obvious that this is completely ripped off from Star Wars. I It is. And I no. I do love that Luigi Cozzi was apparently the only person alive in 1977 on the planet Earth that did not see Star Wars, but read the <laughs> novelization. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for the trivia. That brings us to the end of the show. So now we're here. We're at the end of the show. We ask the question, save it or can it? So I'm going to start with you, Patrick. I'm going to ask the question to you, and I will ask the same to Taylor. In the case of Star Crash, do we save it or do we can it? So I think, uh, interestingly enough, Cayman, I know enemy of the show, Keith. He's a a sworn enemy of yours. Keith leaves a, a review on Letterboxd. One star. But also, in its own way, five stars. And I feel like that's where I am with this film. Is like, it is simultaneously complete dog shit and incredible at the same time. So for me, it is an unequivocal save. I think this is when I signed up to be on this show, this is, I think what I expected every movie to be like. Well, thank you, Patrick. I appreciate your candor and your thoughts. And it means the world to me that you finally liked one of the fucking movies that I've shown you, but enough about you and everything that you just said, because let's be honest, your opinion matters little once it's compared to Taylor's. So Taylor, why don't you go ahead and tell us, what did you think of Star Crash? Would you save it or would you can it? I'm going to say save it. Uh, I This is one of my like one of my top trashy movies. Uh, I own it. I've owned it for years. I greatly enjoy it. Um, I don't, there's a there's a sincerity to it, I think. Sure. Um, it 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 feels like it, you get the you get the sense of enthusiasm that these people have. They don't succeed in what they're trying to do. But they clearly do it with such meaning and intent that you kind of have to begrudgingly respect them for it. It's also just a, a hell of a ride. I mean, it's, I think a movie, if it can't be both, should either be artistically valid or entertaining. And it's definitely the latter. It is not the former, but it's entertaining as hell. It's a, it's a, it's a great ride. And it, I think now, after uncovering this conspiracy theory that we have this evening, it puts every decision made by Lucasfilm from 1980 on into perspective. Correct. Oh, 100%. I can't disagree in the absolute slightest with anything either one of you said. Look, as if there is a movie that I believe encapsulates what trash cinema is and why we're saving it, it is 100% Star Crash. And that is a hill I will die on. This movie from the set design to the wackiness of it to just the absolute fun that you have while while watching it. I, I, you just can't find that anywhere else. And the fact that people have never seen this movie is why we do this show. It's to try to explain that not every movie needs to have a $250 or $250 million budget or some massive huge cast with all-star greats. You know, sure, Star Crash does have the Hoth and Christopher Plummer, but ultimately, the reason this movie succeeds is the heart behind it. 
it is weird. It is wacky. It is everything that I want from a trash cinema film. And this is why we do the show. It's because of movies like these. And it's to get an audience to be there for it as well. And so for me, this is a resounding 100% save. And honestly, I feel like there's a world in which I watch this movie at least once a year. And honestly, I probably will watch it more than I watch Star Wars because this movie is just insane. And there's something about it that I think has been lost, you know, with the more recent Star Wars films and just sci-fi in general, like, this movie can't exist anymore, and because of that, like I feel it is absolutely necessary to save it. And that brings us to the end of the show, guys. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it. your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here, and we aren't beggars. Also, fuck Keith. If you're interested in video games, check out our sister podcast, The Spotlight Games Podcast, on all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen and watch this banter about video games there as well. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Kamen, Patrick at Patrick Schwag, or our sister podcast at Spot Game Spot on Twitter and at Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram. Now, it brings us to that point in the show when we have our special guest. Is there anything you would like to plug, Taylor? Any productions, anything special to you that you have going on that you want the people listening to the show to check out as well absolutely uh you can find me on instagram at taylor j roy um i don't do twitter because it's a, a cesspool um so i just put all of my my uh word vomit uh brain farts onto instagram instead uh you can find me at dad's garage theater uh i'm making making the sillies live and in person there on a regular basis uh, you can also find me on the podcast Echoes in Between uh, that my dear friend Jessica Burson recently released. It's a um, serialized radio drama podcast. I play an unscrupulous scientist in it. So check that out oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, it's, it's very creepy and mysterious. So recommended. That's absolutely fantastic, Taylor. I'm so excited to check that out myself. Audience, do the same. Give Taylor some love on the work he's doing. And you, if you want to be part of the show, whether it be a guest host or have a movie recommendation, you can reach us at savetrashcinema@gmail.com or Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema. I am out of control. I am out of control. We've just survived an attack of the most powerful weapon in the entire galaxy. We have?